main activist. Some people in town say the base is run by aliens working with our federal government to conduct mind control and genetic experiments. I'm leaving. I'm glad. Thanks a lot, society, for railroading my ass. Welcome back to season three of the Eerie Americas, everyone. This is one of your hosts, Vicky Ayala. And this is your other dancing co-host, Christy Hall. I was like, if you guys can't tell, Christy's totally dancing because we're so excited to be back. And I know we took a shorter break than last year, but we've really missed this. For those rejoining us, welcome back. We are the Eerie Americas. For anyone that might be new here, Vicky and I are, I guess, decade plus old friends who... Yep figured out that we were both interested in serial killers and horror and all things weird. And one day we were just having a conversation and said, let's do a podcast. And that's what we've been doing. That's literally how that went. There was no really, really wasn't an extensive conversation. It was like, hey, you like weird stuff. I like weird stuff. Let's talk about weird stuff. This is what we do here. So we talk about anything from Canada to the Caribbeans to South America, anything that is defined as the Americas. And we will talk about anything weird that's happened from serial killers to alien abductions and disappearances, mythical creatures, literally anything weird you can think of we'll cover. Totally. And if you guys have any suggestions, we always happily take them. Check out our website, theeriamericas.com. But honestly, we're just happy you're listening. So if that's that's enough for you, that's cool too. We are just super stoked to be back. And even though we pretty much ended it at the end of 2020, it's still, we were saying it feels like it's been a long time and no time at all. We're so excited that we both have been during this time. We both were like on our own writing things. Like anytime something happened, we were like, write it down in our phones. And I'm like, I literally have an entire list of catch up topics just so you guys know what's been going on. And it's so weird how it's, it hasn't been that long, but I have a whole fucking list of shit to talk about. <laughs> and so I'm looking at it and I'm seriously laughing and I'm like, oh, and like, these are things I didn't tell Christy yet, which is hard because we literally talk every day. Yeah. So we'll hit on some of those topics today. And the one thing I know I had to tell you, because it's so funny, I'm looking at my list and there's something I got irrationally angry at Ryan making his own lunch. So I'm going to put some background. So I do all the meal prepping here. And I meal prep Ryan, who's my husband. I meal prep his lunch, even though I don't eat the same thing as him. And I don't know, I just do it. And then there was one day where he decided to put his own chicken in the air fryer. And I got irrationally angry. And I was like, why are you making your own lunch? And he's just like, dude, I'm just putting chicken in the air fryer. You're still cooking the rice. I was like, no, I I meal prep for you. I cook your lunch. I'm like, this is your first step in a series of five steps where you try to divorce (laughs) me. You're not divorcing me. If we're getting divorced, I divorce you. And it was the most irrational thing that ever happened, I think, between the two of us. And he literally just looked at me and he was like, all I did was put chicken in the air fryer. And I got so irrationally angry that he put his chicken in the air fryer because I'm like, you're not going to need me anymore. And then you're going to try to divorce me. But that's not going to happen. I'll divorce you. And this went a whole completely different direction than what I thought. (laughs) I thought you were going to be mad that he just made food for himself because that's what would make me angry. Like I was like, (laughs) no, I don't care. I didn't know you're making your own chicken. Like, how dare you? I cook for both of us. You're going to cook for one of you. Like, how dare you? We are set. Like, that's how I would get. No, That's I was just hilarious. really mad that he was making his own food. Speaking of uh, mad and food, Vicky's come to the dark side with me. I, I'm like Darth Vader and I'm bringing all my friends to the other side. My friends call me Bubble Girl because I should live in a bubble because I'm allergic to the entire planet, including certain foods, including dairy, which really sucks. And that's pretty recent. I've had dairy most of my life. And now it turns out Vicky's doctors are recommending she do the same thing. So I'm like... The funny thing is I was so upset last week because uh, for those of you who are new, um, I have a few autoimmune diseases. I have lupus. I have something called Sjogren's and I have a mixed connective tissue disorder. And a lot of it comes down to your diet so you don't trigger inflammation in your body. And I was talking to a dietitian and she's like, you should really go 80% plant-based, no processed foods, no refined sugars, no artificial sugars, no dairy, gluten-free. And I'm texting Christy and I'm so upset. And I'm like, can you believe this? I need your help because you know how to do this. And she's like so excited. I'm like, you should not be this happy that I have to eat nothing now. I'll tell you why I'm excited. This is not, I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. I'm, you know, there's a, there's a little part of me, my inner Scorpio self is like, yes, someone's on my side. They understand my because now you'll understand how it feels every time you go out to a restaurant and be like, does this have butter in it? Does this have milk in it? 
it's a whole process. So I'm my low-key self is happy about that, but I'm also excited because I know this is going to help you. And that's what I've been telling her for months. She's been in mega denial about it. Yeah, that, because the difference is I'm not allergic to it, so I could technically eat it. I'm just really going to feel like crap after. And I've just been feeling super like fatigued and lethargic. And I've been super inflamed. Like there are days Christy asked me how I'm feeling and I'm like, I can't type today because mm-hmm. my fingers are swollen. So I'm going to voice note you all day. And the thing is, I really have no issue with not eating meat. I have not, I have no issue with going gluten-free. I really love cheese. I put cheese on everything. I put them in my salads. I love pizza. And I'm just like, and that's the one thing that Christy's like, stop thinking of replacement cheese as cheese because it's not going to help you. I've been allergic to dairy and mammalian meats, which is basically any meat that walks on all four. And so I can only eat poultry and seafood. So essentially, I've basically gone plant-based because I can't afford shrimp and salmon every day of my life. So, And you get sick of chicken and turkey over and over and over. So I've basically gone plant-based. Most of my diet is about 80% plant. So I understand what you're going through. But at the same time, like cheese, you just have to forget. Honestly, it's so terrible. And I love pizza. I love pizza. My husband and I order pizza all the time. But on another note, I'm going on a new medication. Like I've been through a lot with my autoimmune diseases. And so I got put on a new medication and my doctor goes, I'm going to give you a choice between these two. One of them, if you take it, you can't really start a family while you're on it. You have to be off of it for a certain amount of time. And the other one, you can't drink. So obviously I picked the one where I can't start a family because we all know I hate children anyway. And I'm definitely not going to stop drinking if you're going to make me stop eating fucking cheese and I'm going to drink. Oh, that's where I would draw the line too. Not going to lie. I was like, I'll take the one where I can't have any kids. And she's like, are you sure? Because if you try to fail, I'm like, I'll be fine. One of my favorite things when I was fancy back in the day and had no food allergies was a chartreuse board and wine. And I'm like, I'll be damned if I can. I guess I'll survive without the cheese, but I'm not surviving without my wine. So I feel you on that one. As long as we can drink, we'll be okay. You cannot tell me that I can no longer eat pizza and I can't eat sugar because everybody knows I love candy. And then you're going to tell me that I can't drink either. I'm No. It's okay. When everyone's eating a pizza and eating cheese around you, just have a bottle. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it. That's exactly what I'm going to do because no. At least you have a co-host that goes through exactly the same thing. So I can walk you through it. I immediately texted Christy and I was like, please send me recipes. Mind you, I mean, it's so easy to do plant-based, but it's like, Please send me recipes. I don't have anything to eat. And she's like, dude, it's not that hard. Here you go. You know what it is too? You also look at vegetables and you just see the same thing over and over. If you find recipes, there are so many things you can do to make it more exciting. It's just about changing your mentality. But I understand. You know what normally makes things exciting? Cheese. Rest in power, cheese. So no more cheese, lots of wine. And I told my doctor that my family plan was not having a family. So this medication works perfectly. As you guys all know, because you've heard plenty of times that we've complained about having to, to, to take Lena out of our episodes, I usually record in my living room, even though I have a second bedroom, but we were using it as storage. So recently, my husband and I decided like, okay, we really need to clean this out because I am going back to school. There's a shit ton of boxes. We're like going through things and we start finding pictures. My mother passed away last April. And so we found a bunch of pictures of my mom, like pictures I've never seen her when she was young, when I was a baby, mm-hmm. like all these things. And I'm looking through the pictures and I'm like crying and we're like doing all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, Brian went to go do stuff and he goes, whoa. And I'm like, oh, are you OK? Like, are you dizzy? Like, I was a little hot in the room. And he was like, I just felt something. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I just felt like someone like it felt like a hand on his back, like guiding him, like pushing him towards something. And I was just like, but I'm sitting over there. It couldn't have been me. And there's absolutely no wind in the room. The door's closed and it's just me and him. And he literally said he just felt like someone like on his lower back and like kind of like pushing him, like not violently, but just like pushing him through. I was like, I think that was my mom. Yeah. Someone was saying what's up. Someone was saying what's up. And he just like, but he said he felt it so much. That's why he was like, whoa. And I really, I looked at his face and his, his jaw was open and like, he looked kind of pale. Yeah. And Ryan, nothing gets through to him. He makes jokes about everything for him to be actually freaked out. Me. Yeah. He's actually never serious. It's kind of annoying. <laughs> like literally. Yeah. He's the biggest jokester ever. So like, it's one of those things where if he, if he was freaked out, it was real. And we had to like stop for a minute and I had to be like, Hey mom, super funny, but we need to stuff. So can you not do that again? It kind of like threw us off for a couple of minutes. And of course I didn't tell you because I wanted to tell you now. Wow. No, your mom's visited a lot. <laughs> My mom's visited and it's always with him. It's weird because they had a very weird relationship and they made fun of each other a lot. And there was another time in my apartment where he was like making fun of me and 
all of a sudden he tripped over absolutely nothing. There was nothing in his way. There was like, literally, he just like went forward. Like, that's definitely my mom telling you to cut your shit and stop talking shit about her daughter. My mom still has my back. Thanks, mom. Literally has his back. But that was super creepy in the middle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For our very first episode, I wanted to cover something we actually haven't done yet. And this one's tricky because it has to be enough information for you to really grasp the severity of the situation. And as women, we understand how scary this feels. Men most of the time are fortunate that this doesn't happen to them, but this is a stalking case. And it does happen to men too, but I feel like it absolutely it does. happens to women a lot and we aren't taken seriously. Women are more of the prey and men are generally more of the predator. I mean, I know there are cases where women have done some gone bad insane shit on men. Stuff. Yeah, but generally you find a lot of fun, like restraining orders are women from men and we've had our own personal experiences with this issue so i'm yeah. very intrigued we both have experienced some level of this like of course this leads to the case that i found it could be a woman's worst nightmare let's put it that way even before i was a married old lady i never really cared for valentine's day like i'm just throwing that out there since it's coming up soon I appreciate friends that I love getting together or a nice dinner cooked by Charlie, but it doesn't have to be a specific day set by societal pressure. I think if you love a person, you don't need a designated day to show it. And most people really don't know the actual history of St. Valentine's. Even history isn't 100% sure how this came about. So it's still a largely debated thing. But according to history.com, the Catholic Church recognizes at least three different saints named Valentine or Valentinus, all of whom were martyred. One legend contends that Valentine was a priest who served during the 3rd century in Rome when Emperor Claudius II decided that single men made better soldiers than those with wives and families. He outlawed marriage for young men. Valentine, realizing the injustice of the decree, defied Claudius and continued to perform marriages for young lovers in secret. When Valentine's actions were discovered, Claudius ordered that he be put to death. Others insist that it was St. Valentine's Day of Terni, a bishop, who was the true namesake of the holiday. He too was beheaded by Claudius II outside of Rome. Either way you dice it, it's technically not a romantic at day. all. <laughs> Which is why this case is perfect because stalking is not romantic at all. It is weirdly celebrated by a cost of flowers, chocolates, and expensive dinner comparisons. Not gonna lie, after this case, I was happy to have someone I know, trust, and more importantly, loves me back. Because that's the big thing with stalkers. Yeah, it there's always one person who loves and one person who doesn't love back. And I don't know, I just feel like stalkers think that stalking is showing them love, but it's like, Nothing says love like stalking. Like that doesn't make fucking sense. <laughs> Don't. I had a hard time. This is terrible to say, but I had a hard time deciding what case of yeah, love gone so wrong many. to select. That's what's crazy about this. This isn't like a one-off situation. This happens way more frequently. And the thing is that the, the, there's so there's so many people who differ on what the definition of stalking is, and. That's what also the problem is. So that's why there's such a wide range of cases because some people really believe that, you know, you're not stalking unless the person's like showing up to your house at 4 a.m. or peeking through bushes. And like, that's not always what it is. If you are someone who is just like, to me, if I'm going to several different places and I've never seen you there before and you have no reasonable reason to be there and you pop up, you're stalking me. If it happens a few times, you're stalking. It's not a coincidence for people to pop up places that they're not supposed to be in. And I feel like there's also some people who actually find that romantic. It's like, oh, he cared about me enough to know where I am all the time and pop up there. And I'm like, I don't find that shit romantic. If I didn't ask you to be there, please don't show up there. So there's also differentations like with women. And it's like some women might find that gesture romantic where others are like, that's fucking creepy. And I think it's all about your boundaries, I guess, because... You know, but it's also, you have to remember a lot of this. So like this case in particular is about a man named Mark. It was basically unrequited love. He would not accept that a young woman would never love him back. That's a different level. Right. That's a, that is literally a stalker. When you say to someone, I am not interested, I'm in a relationship or I'm doing me right now. Right, like you're not single. even dating. Like some people, people have to some people that. differentiate it because they're like, well, if you're dating, maybe he's doing this. And it's like, if I tell you, no, I'm not interested and you continue to do it, you are most definitely 100% stalking that person. Totally. So Mark took matters into his own desperate stalker hands, all while sorting through the United States Postal Mail. Oh God, I can't. Yeah. So this starts in a post office. <laughs> that alone tells you where this oh, is going to go. Oh, good love story. Start in a post office. What is wrong with people? So this is July 1992 in one of the most heavenly places in the United States, Laguna Beach, California. 27-year-old Kim Springer lived 
life like most Laguna Beach people on the beach, hanging out with friends, barefoot and carefree, feeling as if the world was filled with endless possibility because you are, you're young and it like, it is filled with possibility. You're young. You live in a beach town. It's like the dream life. Yeah. Kim was also in a relationship where she was happy, despite the fact that her boyfriend Danny worked nights and she worked days, sometimes till like six or seven at night. They were like happy together. Like, you know, she's young. She has a relationship she's in. I've been there. She's doing it. You know, she's doing her thing. Kim works at the post office at this point in her life, delivering mail in Dana Point, California, a job where she really loved, like she loved the work because she, she said she worked with great people in this huge facility. Her usual routine was to go to the facility grab the mail for her intended route, and hit the street walking to deliver on said route. And this is something she loved because she never wanted a job without some physical activity. And being out in the California sun, I don't blame her. I think that, that is That might the be best one of the only times I make. want a job where I'm just like walking around all day. Like if I could walk around all day and look at the beautiful beach and all of that's in it, that actually sounds pretty great to me. Your worst day is 70 <laughs> right? degrees in rain. Your that's- worst day is you put on a hoodie and you go... One summer night, her co-workers Kathy and Charles and Kim had planned on att- attending an annual fair called the Orange County Fair. It's something they just went to every year. You know, in the 90s, I don't think they do. Like, I think Minnesota does it. The still, Minnesota State Fair, that, yeah. Yeah, most states got rid of that. But in the 90s, I remember growing up, there was always a state and fair. And they have similar things now. They have, like, um, they have like feasts in New York. Like, we'll have, like, the 18th Avenue feast where they just kind of close down a couple of avenues and they have, like, a little feast there. So I can imagine how cool it would be to have, like, on a Rides huge and- scale and have, like, a New York State fair. Like, that would be really cool. Yeah, I wish we had, were old enough to yeah, remember and appreciate that stuff. Because I was way too young when that was still going on. I'm sure I went to one or two, but I don't I absolutely have don't any remember. recollection of it. So, last minute, Kathy and Charles, her friends, had to bail for whatever reason. But they asked another co-worker named Mark if he was going, to which he replied yes. Looking back at describing Mark, Kim stated that he was quiet and occasionally seemed nervous and twitchy, but she trusted Charles and Kathy. Right. Mark was friends with Charles and Kathy as he had been at the post office for a while, even before Kim began working there. So she was kind of like, you know, when you're in that crew of people, it's it's kind of like being in that little union and that little... Right, like I'll trust if like you introduce me to someone. I'm like, well, if you're friends with Christy, then I can, yeah. I can trust you. Right. And as mentioned, she barely knew him, but trusted most of her coworkers as she described everyone there as ha- like kind of like free loving right. hippie types. So, you know, her expect her expectation was, oh, this will just be another cool like coworker. You're going to like a fair, which is like super public. It's not like you're going to like the movies or dinner. Like you're going to a fair. What's going right. to happen? Totally. Charles arranged for Kim to get a ride from Mark because I guess she was re- Charles to give her a ride originally. But because they had to bail, they were like, hey, Mark, give her a ride. Kim agreed and gave Mark her home address in Laguna Beach to come get her. At the fair, the young and vivacious Kim tried to get the Vietnam vet 40-something-year-old to kind of enjoy himself a bit, but he's more of like the in-crowd person shying away from partaking. So she was kind of like, hey, have a good time, dance around. Like, you know, she was enjoying the music, and he was just kind of like sitting back, like Vietnam older, you know, a little more serious, a little little nervous, a little twitchy. Like she's a 27-year-old, like, free caring i love my life and he's kind of like a war vet and older so of course i can i can see the difference in personalities yeah so she tried but she was like i still had a good time whatever you know it was over after the fair mark dropped kim off she thanked him for the ride and wished him a good vacation as he was going to take some time off starting the next day and he went off without incident okay sounds Sounds that normal. was pretty much it. The only thing that sounds abnormal about it is having someone you don't know give you a ride, but this is 1992. Right. And back then there was no Uber. Right. There was no Uber. We didn't have cell phones. Like you kind of just trusted like your friend arranging a ride for you. So that seems weird to us in 2021, but that's not weird for 1992. So really that kind of just sounds perfectly normal to me. Yeah. Off without incident or so Kim would think. Because later that night, as Kim was in bed, her landline rang because 1992. Right. That's a house phone for you youngins. It's not a cell phone. It is like attached to a cord in your wall most of the time. And they weren't always wireless. Your grandparents might have it in their house. She answered the phone because it was later at night, expecting it to be her boyfriend Danny as he worked evenings, as mentioned before. And that would be my assumption as well. Like I'd be like, oh, it's my boyfriend checking in, you know, whatever. Instead, it was Mark. Okay, that's weird. He told her that he had a wonderful time and he would really like to do it again sometime. Maybe he even, he could even take her down for a walk by the beach. Um, okay. So what I've noticed about stalking cases, and this is my own experience, is you are a friendly person. You give one gesture. They take it. They think that yeah. opens the floodgate. 
you know, you have to be careful with who you trust. And as a woman, I hate to say it that way because I'm a trusting person. We have to be really, really diligent. To be thoroughly vetted on who we give our address to and who we give our and phone always, to. Like, and always, like, I know it's, it's, it's terrible, say. but, like, one of the things I've done myself as a woman is, like, when my husband and I first started dating, even though I had known him forever, there was always someone who knew where I was and who I was with just in case anything happened. And this has been going on since I was old enough to do anything. Someone always knew where I was. I think even up until now, there's at least one friend who has my location on my phone at all times. And so like, it's something you do automatically, which makes it very sad. But people in general, like it's just not always safe. And you just always have to have someone who knows exactly where you are, just in case something happens. Absolutely. So it's almost like he's asking her out on the date. And that's what she was getting. But It's like kind of weird because he didn't flat out say like, I want to take you on a date. Like he was still kind of friendly about it. So it's like, how do you even approach this? And she seems like a genuinely nice person. So as a nice person, I'm sure you're like, how do I even respond to this? Yeah, she's like a California girl, like super friendly, hippie. And she seems to like just be fun loving and just like have a caring personality. So she's probably like, um, okay. Mm-hmm. But Kim politely explained that she was seeing someone and she hoped he didn't see the evening as a date. I mean, after all, she needed a ride. They were both going and it wasn't a plan for and them to go. And they were originally going with friends. So it's so not it's like it was pretty obvious, right? right? Like, I mean, she's never shown an, a real interest in this person. Right. But sometimes there's people who like don't take subtle hints or just they're not aware. So like there's some people you just have to be very direct with where you have to be like, this is not a date. And that's <laughs> like, what she did. She, was, she said, I'm in a relationship. That was not a date. I hope you didn't mix that up. At this point, most men would apologize, wish their coworker a great evening, and move on. But not Mark. Not Mark! He instead replied anxiously and excitably, saying he would not go on vacation with it without at least trying to pursue her. Even going as far as proposing a relationship, stating, quote, I think this could really work out between us. Yeah, there's one little problem. She has a boyfriend, and she just said no. But, like, was he even listening to what no, she just said? No, he wasn't. Said? That's the thing. He wasn't. Li- like, he heard it, but he didn't really... He didn't hear it. There's a difference between hearing and listening. Right. Like, he heard it, didn't listen. He was just like, okay, cool. This could really work out. So Kim adamantly said at this point the conversation was inappropriate and hung up on him. Good girl. You would think that would be the end of it. You know what I mean? Hey, I'm in a relationship. I said no. Yeah, well, there would be no episode if that was the end of it. So (laughs) I can imagine it wasn't. The next morning, Kim was rushing late out of her home because she claimed she was always running late for work because, like, true hippie time, like, you're always a few minutes late. So she said she was rushing home to get out of work when she tripped on something at her door. When she looked down, it was a basket of flowers, fruit, homemade cookies, and a cassette mixtape made for her. Oh, those used to be, like, really sweet. So you used to be able to make, on the radio, you could record the radio and make your own tape of whatever songs you wanted. Google what a cassette tape is, because I can't really describe it on here, but there were, you know, that was before even... CDs, before iPods. Before you could just download music, there were CDs, and before CDs, tapes. (laughs) Yes. So even creepier than all of that. So wait, this is the next morning, meaning that he had just a couple of hours and did flowers, homemade cookies, fruit, and a mixtape. And stayed up recording a mixing tape for Okay, her. okay. Bro, All in the same evening because this is the very next day. And mind you, this is his first day of vacation. This is what he's doing on his vacation. So that gives you kind of an indication of how detached this person is. Even creepier than all of that in the basket was a letter and a set of house keys. Hmm. Okay. Before reading the letter, she obviously knew who it was from, her new admirer, Mark. The letter said, Kim, I had a great night. I'll be thinking of you while I'm away on vacation. I have enclosed my house keys. I was thinking maybe you'd care to house sit for me. Enjoy the music. Love, Mark. He really doesn't get it. And even though he didn't say anything sexual or romantic for saying You don't need to. It was creepy enough on its insinuating, own. insinuating, here's my house keys, walk into my home. Like, you do this after you hang out with someone for like six she hours? She said no twice. And then you responded by saying, so forget what you said. I'll be thinking of you. Here's Here's a bunch of creepy shit. Like, I don't think I've ever even done that for someone I like. <laughs> like, I really hope Ryan doesn't listen to this episode and ever expect me to give him a basket of, like, homemade anything and any type of mixtape because it's just not happening. Even though she thought it was weird, obviously, she thought nothing of it at the time and moved on because she's still a nice human being versus Vicky and I are such New Yorkers. No. Like, we're like deer. In- I would have moved. 
I would have moved. I would have, on my way to work, I would have called my job and said, hey, I'm going to be super duper late. And on my way to work, I would have dropped that basket off at the police department and said, fingerprint this shit. This guy is fucking dangerous. But it's also because, again, we're going into this with a 2021 mentality. And this is 1992 where people were just generally more trusting. And what's crazier, if you actually look back into the history of stalking, a lot of People didn't have restraining orders at this time. A lot of states didn't have stalker laws. Actually, New York just started passing laws about stalking. Up until a few years ago, there were no stalking laws anywhere because it's so it's so hard to prove. It's so hard. Like people don't. Some people generally don't even believe in it. Some yeah. people really think you should be grateful that people like you enough to like do this stuff for you. Like they don't even believe in stalking. So if you look at stalking laws, they've been passed within recently, within the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. 1992, they def. I don't even think there was a definition for stalking for, in 1992. And not just that, too. Also, I was a 90s kid. I love the 90s and everything. If you even watch back on television shows, the jokes at women's expenses, everything was a lot more segregated and sexist, you know? And they made they made it seem like it was generally okay for you to just invade and not have boundaries. Like, looking back at some things that we watched in the 90s, I was like, that is so inappropriate because they made it okay for a man to continuously just harass a woman. Like, yeah. I was re-watching Family Matters, and I don't want to take away from how good it was, but generally, Steve, the way he was with Laura is is, is not okay now. Like, Urkel is a stalker. Well, granted, I still laughed and I still generally love it because it was nostalgic. I was like, you know, she was like 12 or 13. And like literally what you did was not okay. You lived next door. You just showed up. She repeatedly said no. You made her feel bad for not liking you back. And that's the minute that I was like, oh, my God, this is such manipulative behavior. And that happened in shows in general where a guy would just overly pursue a woman who was always saying no. And then whenever she snapped at him, they would have the balls to make it so that she would feel bad for rejecting someone for the millionth time. And it's just like, this is so not fucking okay. Uh-huh. You're totally and we right. were just, in, this was ingrained in our heads to be fucking normal. And that's why people think it's romantic and it's not. Totally different time, guys. Promise you. Like, I'm glad we're kind of moving out of that mindset because just thinking about how Things were so different at that time. It's just wild to think about constant changes that we have to continuously make. But when she got into work, Kim pulled Kathy aside. Yes, I was about to say, I hope she tells her friend that their friend is One of the original crew members and friend of Mark aside, and she told him about the phone call. Like, she didn't mention the basket. She just said, like, hey, I got a really... (laughs) Like, I would have just done the check mark of all the things I was concerned about. She told her about the phone call, and Kathy explained that Mark suffered from PTSD. He was seeking help for it, and his counselor suggested he go out and find a girlfriend, settle down, you know, live the normal life. Okay, you could find a girlfriend that likes you, though. But funny that you mentioned this because it's like you were reading ahead because this is what I wrote. This made Kim feel bad. She felt bad about it. Because we're always conditioned that we have to, that that's just what we're supposed to do. Of course she felt yeah. bad because that's what we're conditioned to feel. She said she felt like she was now overreacting to someone who was just rusty in the dating game. No! <laughs> that's what she literally rationalized it and justified it as like oh I feel bad like I didn't realize he was from he was suffering he's a war vet and like he's just trying to do what his counselor said and just like try to find a normal life that's how her friend switched her mindset from being concerned to feeling bad about it Kathy also reassured Kim that Mark was nothing to fret over or be threatened about because she's known him for so long so it's funny when people know someone and then they do something and they're like, well, that's not the person I know. Well, of course, it's not the person you know, because he doesn't like you the way he likes He Kim. has no romantic intentions. Exactly. The intention of how you approach someone makes somebody feel different. I always say when roles are reversed, opinions are too. Because it's funny that his her friend's going to defend Mark when her other friend's saying, hey, I have concerning behaviors. She immediately went for defending him and and i don't know if that has to do with the like like i said they known each other longer and like that's a post the post office union type of thing or if it's just because women are used to defending men at this time i think that's partly what it is but i also think that people always take their experience with people like you said but like if you think about it there's been a lot of people there's been criminals there's been serial killers there's been rapists they have people in their life that they didn't murder and didn't rape either it doesn't mean that they weren't capable of it jeffrey Dahmer had friends too like it doesn't mean anything if someone Mm -hmm. comes to you and says listen your friend is doing this i would probably be like oh my god like 
I've never had that experience with him, but I would never minimize anybody else's experience because, again, I've been in this situation where other people were like, well, he, that, that, that's not the person that I know. Okay, well, that's the person that I know, and I'm telling you that your friend is doing this. I'm also your friend. Right. So, like, people, like, it, 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 it's, you kind of have to kind of realize that, like, you're minimizing your other friend's experience with this person by saying, well, mm-hmm. that's not the person that I know. And reassure her that it's okay. Right, like, like it's I would like, never. How do you know it's okay? How do you know? Kim admitted deep down that she still felt rattled and slightly threatened that someone would come to her doorstep at night without her hearing. Like, this is so sneaky because where she lived, it was one of those, like, apartment complexes. Yeah, I didn't even consider the fact that she didn't hear him leave it at her door. Like, and it's... And that's what freaked her out the most. It's not like he knocked. It's not like he did it the next morning. It was like, I apologize. Here you go. He left it on her doorstep middle of the night. Like, that's really creepy. And she was home alone. She decided to put the keys back into his case. It's like a locker for the employees. So like she put his house keys back in his area and she went on with her day to day life while Mark was on vacation. Like she was just kind of like, okay, I'm going to let this be a week exactly after the fair. So once he got back, Mark returned from vacation where he told Charles he had gone kayaking and fishing at Goose Lake. Mark spent the rest of the day glaring at Kim giving her the stink eye and making her feel slightly uncomfortable. So right off the bat, he felt very rejected and made her know that he felt rejected. He made her uncomfortable the entire shift. The next day, she found another note, cookies, and a mixtape at her door. So after you make her feel wholly uncomfortable for saying no to you, now you're going to leave another basket at her door. Apparently. Angry and upset, she bought the gifts to work and placed them on Mark's desk before he arrived, not saying a word to him about it, hoping that would be enough for him to get it. She returned every single thing. This means fuck off. She didn't even open it. Like Aside from the one conversation she had with Kathy, she had not involved anyone else or informed her employer she was feeling harassed. Probably also because he was doing it outside of work and they probably would have been like, well, it's not happening here. Totally. And this is also a government job. They're going to try everything in their power to avoid having to deal with sexual harassment or, you know, stalker or whatever. They don't want to deal with that. After this, he sent her an additional half a dozen or so letters. So the letters just kept coming, each one becoming more and more bizarre. He would write these crazy, irrational thoughts to her like, I can see an endless future for us, Kim, an existence beyond what we know. Or another letter written in a circular motion. He's not even writing in straight lines? No. Perfect circle on a free white papers, writing in a circle. Who does that? And it says, It is impossible to understand our future, but we must be strong and join hands as the cleansing begins. Only you and I, Kim, for the rest of the world will burn. That 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 sentiment, like that whole letter was creepy enough written in a straight sentence, like in a straight line. Like you writing it in a circle just makes it a million times more fucking creepy. Did her boyfriend know? Actually, it's after this crazy ass letter that sounded fairly menacing. She showed it to her boyfriend, Danny. So it took like the eighth letter and like the creepy circular one for her to be like, okay, this is out of fucking hand. I'm done. I have to tell somebody. She told from the time from the fair up until this final letter. You would think her boyfriend would be concerned. No. Danny tried to make light of it. Of course. Saying now two guys are crazy about you or asking if there were any cookies left because I mean, it sounds funny to a guy, but I'm sure at this point she was really fucking scared. They don't, they don't have these Men things Men don't have to worry about this. All the time. Like it's not as yeah. frequent. And honestly, I, it, with men, even if it was happening, they probably wouldn't say anything because other men would probably be like, dude, the girl likes you. Like it's just like they have a yeah. different mentality. Danny simply suggested that Kim avoid him as best as possible at work and kim agreed but she is avoiding him and he's still doing it but she agreed she was like okay fine if that's what you think okay sure because now at this point two people have minimized her feelings on it Mm-hmm. yep one day after trying to avoid mark she was on her usual route when she saw mark creeping behind her oh no so now no. at this point Mm-mm. he's following her down her route on her route no and he's supposed to be working go go work and when she noticed him he took off See, that's even worse. At least if you're going to follow me when I make eye contact with you, don't run because you obviously were following me for a reason. That's just fucking creepy for you to run the minute that I see you. He ran as soon as she recognized him. This was the final straw of trying to avoid him at this point for Kim. She was like, that's it. I've had it. When she got back to the mailing facility, she confronted Mark, stating she saw him following her on her route down at the harbor. She said that all this has to stop. It's freaking her out and it's not okay to be following her. Instead of responding like a normal human does, Kim said he didn't seem to acknowledge what she was saying as if he was looking at her but not really seeing her. 
he's already been doing that, like on the phone where she talked to him and he completely didn't acknowledge what she said and continued his conversation and stalking. But on the phone versus face to face, you're looking someone in the eye and saying, stop it. I'm scared. Leave me the hell alone. And it's like the person doesn't even acknowledge what you just said and you're staring at him in the face. It's now been three months after the night of the fair. So like this is 90 days in. And Mark began parking his car across the street of her house and just watching her. And this is scary because her boyfriend works night, so she's by herself at night. Mm -hmm. Kim finally decided to tell their postmaster, Don, and inform him of all the harassment going on. But they stated there was really nothing they could do about it. There really isn't because it's not happening in the workplace. It's happening outside of work. Yeah. But Don, the postmaster, was actually a decent human and took it upon himself to speak to Mark. Oh, that was nice of him. They couldn't do anything, but she could still file something. And when she did, he basically went up to Mark and was like, hey, man, give her some space. Trying to rationalize with him, like, she's not interested. Leave her be. You know, just chill. Mark replied to his boss saying, what I do in my private time is my business. And technically, he's not really wrong because it's not happening at work. But what's creepy about that to me is he's basically confirming that he's stalking her and doesn't care. Who knows? 100% was like, yeah, I'm doing it, but you can't do anything about it. He he doesn't even try to deny it. What I do is my business. You know what also bothers me is like when Kim is talking to him, he doesn't even acknowledge her, but a man talks to him and he's like, oh, I did it, but you can't do anything about it. So it's just like more sexist bullshit. Oh, claro. Yeah, you already know. Don, after he told him what I do outside my business, literally said, take my advice and cut it out. That's what he said. Like, he was, he was like, being adamant about it. He's like, listen. Because, I mean, now he just admitted cool. it to you. Yeah. Mark was excused, but clearly upset. So the conversation upset Mark. So he heard him. He didn't hear Kim, but he heard Don. Right. He didn't hear her. He heard him. Kim, meanwhile, was trying to live her life as normal as possible. But she said her nerves were always on edge. Like, of imagine. Of course, because you don't know when this you, person's going to pop up. You see them at work and you see them on your downtime. They are always watching you. Imagine someone constantly monitoring you that you have zero interest in. Zero. She said she felt very isolated due to the violations she constantly felt. Despite the support she received from boyfriends and friends, the experience was weighing her down. Of course. After months and months, I I can't even imagine. Meanwhile, Mark continued to show up parking outside of her home. And one night she snapped. She walked up to him while he was in the car and just slapped him like fucking hard, hoping he would finally leave and finally get it. But no, he rolled his window back up and continued to watch her. After she slapped him, she said that she felt that the situation escalated even more. So it's now five months after the night of the fair and she's staying in Long Beach with her boyfriend because she was so uncomfortable. She didn't even want to be home anymore. But there was tension between them because she was constantly tired on edge or like jittery. So they were fighting all the time. Imagine you're banned from your home. As much as you can tell somebody what's going on, her boyfriend already pacified her. So she doesn't feel support. She doesn't feel she feels And he figures like, okay, I'm here. We're not home. Feel better. And that's kind of not the way it works. Yeah. She stated it was her day off, but she needed to go get her uniform, and it was at the post office, so she was making her way into the post office. But that same day, she walked in to hear that Mark had a mental breakdown at work, jumping up on a desk, wearing his underwear outside of his pants, and saying he lost a bet to do it. Oh, he pulled the Doug funny. Mm-hmm. He capped in underpants. <laughs> Meanwhile... Kim went home to like get her stuff and she listened to her message and Mark left her one saying he knew it was her day off. So she come join her at the beach so she can watch him kill himself. I have no words. Inviting her to her suicide. It's just another way to be manipulative. Yep. At this point, she had had it. She was like, that's it. She gathered all the letters and she was going to take it down to the postmaster in the morning. And she was like, no, something's got to be done. Like she was over this shit after almost half a year of dealing with this bullshit. She arrived early at work, which she said was the only time she ever got there early. I was going to say, I'm like, because she never got there early. And Don and she decided to speak. He told her about Mark's incident the day before. And Kim showed him all the letters. Like, she was like, listen, like, this guy is clearly unhinged. Like, you're hearing what's going on. This is my side. So they kind of got together and were like, we got to do something about this. Don was initially concerned about Mark's well-being. But then feared for Kim so much, the evidence she presented was able to secure Mark to a three-day hold for a psychiatric evaluation. I'm really happy. See, you can be on both sides where you're concerned for both. I'm happy he wasn't just like, well, I'm concerned about his well-being, but I'm not concerned about yours. He was concerned about both. And that's what I I really like. That's a good boss. I I like her boss. Yeah, definitely. At this point, this is like Thanksgiving-ish. 
And so Kim went to visit her family in Thanksgiving uh, for Thanksgiving at a different part of Cali. I don't, didn't really say where. But right after coming home that night from her family's house, Kim entered her house and heard tapping at her door as she fed her cat. She had one of those old school roll-up blinds. So like you have to like really roll it up. And yeah. she opened it to see Mark standing there, fresh out of his hold. Just got out of the hospital and just tapped on her window. That's the first thing he decided to do after his three-day evaluation hold. It didn't work. Yep. The evaluation. So... Mark was suspended at work, but it was only temporary, something that really upset Kim when she found out it was temporary. Like, she's like, what do you mean? Like, he could possibly come back. Don was an understanding about, like, why she was upset, but he's like, it's above my pay grade. This is something they decided to do. Like, and honestly, it might be more dangerous for him to be out of work. It just gives him more time to stalk you, which is really, really sad. So at this point, we're now nine months into the night after the, the night of the fair. And Mark had laid low and Kim kind of began to relax. Like she was like, wow, I don't see him as much. Like he's not at work. Tension was relief for her. Don informed Kim that Mark had not passed his most recent evaluation and would not be coming back to work anytime soon. But, but the bad news for her was that she was being placed on emergency admin leave until they got it all figured out. And she was really upset. So she ended up get, losing her, not losing her job, but not being able to do a job that she loved. Yeah. Because of someone someone else. else. And this obviously upset her because she felt like she was being punished. And that's how I would feel too. That's absolutely 100% how I would feel. Totally. She never told her parents anything but being put on leave and ended her relationship with Danny. And this kind of led to her being at her mom's house one day and she just like broke down. She told her mom everything about the stalking, about being put on admin leave. Like she didn't want to involve her family because she knew that they would just be scared for her. And then like she of couldn't Of course, because they, don't, they obviously don't live near her. Mm-hmm. Like they live somewhere else. And, you know, you don't want to worry your parents. So after the conversation with her mom, they kind of just came to a decision. And at that point, she decided to look into getting a restraining order to gain some type of leverage. You both work there and you have a restraining order. That's going to kind of give you the advantage to ensure you can go back right. to work. Because at this point, I think the reason they put her on administrative leave is because they don't want to have to deal with it at work. They don't want to totally. have to deal with him going there, following her there. It has nothing to do with her safety. It's kind of covering their own ass and not wanting to deal mm-hmm. with it. Yep. So at this time, the cost of to file a restraining order was $182, which in the 90s is kind of pricey. That's very pricey. And that meant Kim would have to go down to the mail facility to get her paycheck. This was May 6th, 1993. That day, Mark was at home where he lived with his elderly mother, and that's the day he snapped. Mark Hilburn fatally stabbed his mother, Frances, <gasps> and then slit the throat of her cocker spaniel, Golden. Oh, no! Saying later that it was her Mother's Day present. All right, dude, now you're truly fucking psycho. Completely went over the edge. Wearing it like it was like a tie-dye t-shirt, and it said psycho. Appropriate. He walked out of the door and went to his old place of work on a mission. As previously mentioned, Kim was there that day despite being on emergency admin leave. Just to get her paycheck to file a restraining order. She was there to sort mail quickly, grab her check, then go down to the courthouse to file the restraining order against Hilburn. That was the plan anyway. Suddenly, she heard a loud slamming sound, which is a typical noise you expect there. Like it's a mailing facility, mail's dropping, right. things are moving. But a very loud scream was heard after. Kim was up against the wall, and when she heard a pop, she dropped to the ground. So, like, instantly, I can't imagine some, being nine months of being terrified. Any noise would freak me out. Like, I'd be, oh, like, absolutely. you know, like, ready to— You get PTSD from oh, that. Oh, totally. You're yourself. on fight or flight constantly. All of a sudden, when she dropped, chaos was around her. People were running up and down the facility. People were screaming. People were ducking and hiding. Mark was seen shooting and running around the facility, screaming Kim's name, trying to find her. And he didn't even know that she was there or that she wasn't there. He was just, he just as far lost as he his knows, shit. He was trying to lure Kim out. Kim was hiding in some of the, the shelving. So like if you've ever seen a mail facility, there's there's yeah. places where you can literally just kind of shove mail. And she, she's hidden her entire self in one of these mail slots. Others were now ducking and hiding as Mark was shooting erratically and sporadically. His friend Charles approached him. So this is the friend that introduced one introduced yeah. Kim and so the guy approached him but instead of like trying to rationalize with him he shot him point blank in the head. Oh my god. So he keeps shooting, keeps screaming, poor of all people in the world to come across this man. This man to sacrifice himself. Don the postmaster. Oh no. Went up to him and he also got shot and was killed on sight. At the end of the massacre, Mark took off, somehow managing to escape. Because this is the 90s, 
going postal wasn't really a big thing yet. There wasn't a lot of security. And also, like, if it happened now about all of those people would have been calling on their cell phones, there's panic buttons, there's no cell phones there. The only way they could have called would be to expose themselves to a phone that he would have seen them and shot them right outside. They would have had to run and everyone was ducking and trying to hide. A manhunt was declared in the media and Kim was taken into protective custody at this point. Mark Hilborn walked into a bar three days later and sat down like nothing happened. But weirdly enough, it was a bar really close to where Kim was being held. I always wondered if that was a coincidence or was it just like he was really close to where she was actually being held by federal agents. The owner of the bar recognized him because it's been three days on the news that they're looking for this. That was the good thing about it back then. Everybody really watched the news because that's the only way to to know it. So upon searching his vehicle once he was arrested, they found $1,000 worth of women's clothing and provisions for kidnapping Kim. So he was going to kidnap her and then like dress her up like a little doll, probably. Kim suspects that after Mark killed his mother, he walked down the beach by her house and he may have just missed her leaving to go to the facility. So she senses that he must have known. He must have come to the house, seen she wasn't there, and then went to the male facility, knowing her schedule, knowing what she does typically. And it's weird because she was, wasn't she early that day? Like. Remember, she planned on going to file the restraining order, so she I don't think he knew she was on administrative leave. He probably just followed her regular schedule. She swears. She was like, from where the the first scene of the crime happened at his mom's house, he could have gotten to her house faster than the male facility. So she suspects he knew- Went there first. Went there first and said, oh, she's not here. She must be at, at the job, and then decided to do that. At the end, Mark Hilburn was convicted of two counts of murder, seven counts of attempted murder, attempted kidnapping of, and the attempted kidnapping of Kim Springer. He was sentenced to life with no possibility of parole. Kim sued her local union. I don't blame her at all because... No, absolutely not. There were so many preventative measures that could have held in place, but a judge dismissed the case. Of course. Kim, to this day, says she's never felt the same. He made the world look ugly, and she hasn't ever worked since. Like, she's so traumatized. She and she was 27 when this happened. Yep, living a way more reclusive life than her days on the beach. So, yeah, while Valentine's Day is coming up next week, there are worse things than being single, asked Kim Springer. I have so many words and no words at the same time. I feel like if he hadn't gone on that shooting spree in the post office, he would have been charged with nothing because stalking wasn't a crime. Well, he would have gotten in trouble for killing his mom, but at that point, he'd be on the run with Kim probably dead or being right. kidnapped. Right. I, I I don't. I don't. This is why. This is honestly why I carry pepper spray everywhere. Seriously. That's on my chain. I walk mm-hmm. my dog at eight o'clock in the morning, still carry my pepper spray. <laughs> Thankfully, stalking laws are a little bit better. They're not great. It's something that definitely needs to be addressed. But please, if anything like this happens, do not wait. Report it right away. I'm not blaming Kim for anything because I know that they wouldn't believe. Tell everyone you possibly can. And Jobs, please protect your employees a little bit more. Yeah, seriously. Who does that? Who does that? Who does that? Who does that? Our Who Does That segment, which is a lot of people's favorites. You have no idea how many people send me articles and was like, who does that? Just for people that might be new, we try to end it on a light note because sometimes our stuff can get really creepy and we still want to make you feel good at the end of the day. So we always find something absurd, ripped from the headlines. We just take an article about people that do really dumb things. And it's usually from Florida. We try not to do it, but it just comes to us. Just letting you guys know that's what it is. If you guys find anything, we always take them. Yeah, so I've gotten quite a few, so many in fact, that I was just texting my friend like, oh, what was that article about Florida you sent me? And they're like, which one? But of course... It wouldn't be a Who Does That, the first episode of season three, if it wasn't from Florida. This is from ClickOrlando.com. And this actually just happened. This happened on February 4th. So this was like a couple of days ago. Man with Florida tattooed on his forehead, accused of calling 911 to ask for ride home. The suspect claims he doesn't have money for a taxi. So it's urgent to call the police to request an Uber, basically. Yes. And when I tell you that he has Florida tattooed on his head... It's the state of Florida between his eyebrows, so it almost makes it look like a weird birthmark or unibrow. And then suddenly you realize it's the shape of Florida, which to me always looked like the handle of a toilet. He has the handle of a toilet in between his eyebrows. (laughs) So this is from Pasco County, Florida. A man with a big bowl tattoo of Florida in the middle of his forehead repeatedly called 911 to ask for a ride home because he didn't have money for a taxi, according to the Pasco County Sheriff's Office. Records show 22-year-old Matthew Letham of Hudson called 911 four times between 3.17 a.m. and 4.22 a.m. on Sunday to ask for a ride home. Oh, so he was high. Okay, that makes sense. I'm going to guess. 
that he was under the influence of something. <laughs> because he also has a Florida tattoo in between his forehead. Yeah, and he looks like he's totally on drugs. Let's be real. So he goes, quote, I'm trying to find a ride home. I... It says expletive, but I'm going to put in my own expletives because I think I figured out. I fucked up. I'm trying to find a fucking ride home, Lethem said in the first call. He laughed at times and seemed to not know where exactly he was. He said he'd been drinking a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, buddy. Like I said, under the influence of something. So some kind of yep. high. I've been out here for like an hour. I thought I tried to call it a ride home or what, like a Lyft or an Uber, but I ain't got none yet, Lethem said in the call. He claimed he called the wrong number, but then called back for a second time at 3.23 a.m. record show. How do you accidentally call 911? Yeah, it's three digits versus like seven. Then he goes, I ain't able to call a lift right now. It's only letting me call this number. So I figured, fuck, I'll call this number and I'll pick up a lift. Letham said, honey, that's not how lift works. You don't call. The operator told him 911 was for emergencies only and ended the call only for Letham to dial back almost immediately after at 3.25 a.m. Was it the same operator that happened to pick up each time? It might be. He goes, hi, am I able to fucking call a taxi or some shit? I ain't able to call a taxi. I'm trying to call a taxi, Letham said. He claimed he hadn't tried calling an Uber or Lyft and would do that once he got off the phone. Once again, he, he was told 911 is for emergencies. Bet, bet. Bet, bet. So sorry, he bet, said. Bet, Oh my, talk about dating yourself, man. Records show a deputy met with Lethem on US Highway 19 in Port Ritchie, and he once again said he needed a ride home. So he was like literally on the highway, apparently. Is there like harassment of 911 operator as a law? Like this is like borderline harassment. This needs to be in one. So when the deputy offered to call him a taxi, he said he didn't have money to pay for one, according to the report. Letham walked away towards his home and called 911 for a fourth time at 4.22 a.m. while the deputy was still nearby and once again asked for a ride home, the affidavit said. In that call, he said the deputy wouldn't give him a ride. Whatchamacallit, uh, I am trying to get picked up at Scenic Drive, basically. I've been trying to get a ride for a while, been sitting out here for a minute. I'm freezing, he said in the call. Florida's not freezing, dude. You want freezing? It felt like three degrees the other day. And it was, and it snowed 16 inches in New York. Like, like come on. We've experienced negative one out here recently, okay? That 50 degrees at night is not cold. And the sun's probably coming up by four o'clock anyway. It's not that cold. About no six way. minutes into the final call, a deputy can be heard in the background speaking to Lethem. You're on the phone with 911, is that correct? Get your hand out of your pocket, the deputy said. The call ended seconds <laughs> later. The deputy saw there was no emergency, so Lethan was taken into custody, record show. At least he went somewhere. He has to. It's to the point where he's literally annoying and harassing people from doing their your job. Your favorite part's about to come up, though. Deputies said they found marijuana on Lethem during a search, but he claimed he didn't know what it was. Oh, that's hilarious. That's even worse than saying it's pencil shavings. I don't know what that is. Yeah, at least go with the old fashioned, it's oregano. Like, come on, guy. He's facing charges of misuse of a 911 system, which apparently there is a law for that. Misuse? Misuse? I don't know. It needs to be changed to harassment. Harassment, straight up. Straight up harassment and possession of marijuana under 20 grams. Welcome back, everyone. Oh, Florida. Never change, my dude. We hope you enjoyed this first episode back to season three. Please like, subscribe, follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, go on our website, buy our merch. But most importantly, stay weird, Americas. Bye. Bye.